Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, or vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible where God trades some land for an old guy's foreskin. If you're wondering what in the world are we talking about, Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 14, my guest is none other than the bald eagle himself, Tyler Morrison. Tyler, you want to hear a funny story real quick? Yes, I do. So I was in junior high at the time, which I'm trying to reflect, like how old is the average kid in junior high, let's say eighth grade, for example? Okay. Uh, 12, 13 years old, maybe something along those lines. So my friend is 12 or 13. And this is the time in where Filipino culture, you do something that is different than how we do it in the West. I remember one of my best friends, and I won't say his name because maybe someone listening remembers the story. And I don't want to put my friend on blast. But one of my friends was missing from school for a couple of days and rumors started to go around the school like hey yo where's so-and-so where's so-and-so oh haven't you heard so-and-so just got circumcised in the philippines apparently one of the practices is is that circumcision happens kind of as a rite of passage and you do it as an older individual and my friend was missing school because he was getting circumcised and i remember how everyone was like kind of like jabbing but also not wanting to say it when he came back like yo bro like you doing all right like what's going on here and that that's it turns out yes the rumors were true that's exactly what happened and i'm just just makes me think like what's the what's the right time to get circumcised because abraham in this story or i guess abraham in this story becomes abraham and he's an old dude, and he is told by God that this is the time. It's 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 time to get circumcised as part of the deal, as part of the promise. It's like, dang, I am so glad that when that happened for me, and in the West, the practice is it happens when you're a baby and you don't remember it. Maybe there's some mild PTSD that is involved in that experience. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm so glad that I did not have to experience what my friend did at the age of 12 or 13 years old. I'm shook. When you said that for some reason, even though I know what we're reading about today, I did not see that coming. Like I'm thinking yeah, about I myself mean, in wild. seventh, eighth grade and I'm like, 
if my friends, if I went through that, first of all, at that age, I didn't. That would suck. Yeah. And yeah. then <laughs> second, if my friends knew, oh, man. Yes, that's the layer that really sucks. That is rough. Wow. Yeah. And I should have known it was coming because this is literally what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Like so, this... so it gets me wondering about the economics of it all. What is the average foreskin worth, you think? Because God basically says, like, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of land. I'm going to give your uh, your descendants Canaan in exchange for this little snip snip procedure. And, so, and I did this Google search. Here's what I learned about uh, the promise line Canaan, if, if Google is accurate. And the idea is that Canaan was something in the realm of 56,000 square miles. I don't know. That can't be right. But it's big. Evidently, according to Google, that is the idea. And so that gives us 35,840,000 acres. So if you're wondering what was really being offered by God here in this passage, it's a lot of land. Like, I mean, there's a lot here. And kudos to our guy, Abram, who becomes Abraham, because he's a man of faith. And I never thought about the story from this con context before, but talk about how much faith you must have that God uh, is real and that he's actually talking to you to be willing to make this step as a man. Like, it's one thing to be like, okay, God, you're going to bless me. I heard you. Like, we're going to inherit this thing. Now it's like, you want me to do what? This man. is wild. There are just, you just, when you read this, you can just tell, I feel like even from a superficial reading, you have to be able to see like, there are layers upon layers of what is happening here. Well, there's one less layer in this story, but <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Oh gosh. I, I really lobbed that one up and you cranked it. Okay. So yeah, just the idea of faith. And, and even, I feel like one of the biggest things that we just need to make sure we get established from the jump, whenever we're mm -hmm. talking about these covenants, is that it's not, at least it doesn't seem to me to be the type of thing where God is um, making a deal where it's like, hey, if you do this, if you have faith, the way mm -hmm. that a lot of people think about it, it's like, if you have faith, if you'll believe in me strong enough, then I'm going to mm -hmm. bless you with the reward of this land. And right. so... Like here is, here's the exchange that we're going to set up. You give me mm -hmm. 10 copper coins, AKA your foreskin. And then I will give you this acre of land, AKA millions of acres. And it, it's right. just when we recognize like Abraham is the father of faith and like this mm -hmm. promise that's being made to him, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit, like the way his name is changed according to the promise and that this promise includes not just land, but descendants and nations and where those actually, how that promise is fulfilled, we have to kind of like tie it together to see all of the things that are being like prophesied of, pointed out, um, that end mm -hmm. up coming to fruition in Jesus. And, and there's a lot of really wild ones in this. Yeah, uh, that, that's a great reminder. And I would remind people to go back to a couple episodes ago where we talked about Genesis chapter 15 with, with Ben at that time. And we talked about how at the end of the night, Abraham falls in a deep sleep. And there's like this really weird moment where like a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch kind of like become animated. Like they, they pass through the division of all these carcasses. Really, really weird story. 
go watch that episode. The long story short, if you haven't seen that episode before, is this idea that God's actually making a covenant with himself. Like he's promising that he will do something on Abraham's behalf. Yes, but the promise is contained within himself. It's not necessarily dependent on Abraham doing all the right things because clearly we've seen his track record thus far in the narrative. He doesn't have a very good track record. So I appreciate the reminder that it's not like God's like, I'm only going to act if you do everything right. That's not the kind of God that we serve. God is uh, is capable of accomplishing his end of the deal. That's the narrative of scripture is that God is faithful, especially when we're not. Yeah, yeah, man. And so, okay, while we're on, since, since we're starting with circumcision, I know the chapter kind of started with the promise of land and descendants right. and the name change, but mm-hmm. on the topic mm-hmm. of circumcision, the fact that it's on the eighth day, this was something that really jumped out at me. Yeah. Circumcise okay, talk your to me children about that. on the yeah. eighth day, right? And mm-hmm. circumcision being the removal of this flesh. Portion. Yep. Yep. Of the flesh. Yeah. Let's call it flesh because that it's, ties okay. things together really easily. And that if this is a covenant of faith, that as a sign of this covenant, as an act of obedience in this covenant of faith, those who believe in Yahweh, they will do it then it's faith in what? Or I should say faith in whom? And it's mm-hmm. it's just faith in the word. It's faith in God, like the word who was in the beginning with God and was God. And then what happens on the eighth day if we look ahead to what Jesus accomplished in his resurrection Ooh. is that Jesus died on the sixth, was in the tomb mm-hmm. on the seventh, resurrected on the eighth. And so when it says like in Romans, I think five, that he was raised for our justification. And in Colossians two, it talks about how our flesh has been cut off by faith in Christ Jesus. That Mm -hmm. when we emerged like from the watery grave, right? This is baptism in Romans six. I'm I'm tying a bunch of New Testament texts together for the sake of understanding this promise. It if says you're confused, that, go listen to the entire first season of the move. (laughs) Yes, literally (laughs) go listen to the move on Romans and this will... It's just, it's so cool that when you take that context into this little promise made to Abraham, along with this sign that becomes not of faith at all to the Israelites over time, but that's a whole nother story. Mm. But it is a a symbol of the covenant of faith that Mm. you remove this flesh on the eighth day. Mm. And so Mm. then Jesus being resurrected, when we believe in him, it says that we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ Jesus. And the old has passed away. The flesh has been cut off in him. So when we are resurrected with him, it's just life in the spirit. And how dope that this is baked into the first chapters of the Bible written thousands of years before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll be completely transparent. I did not see that before. Um, And I've read this verse a lot in the past where it talks about that you should be circumcised specifically on the eighth day. And I was actually planning like, oh yeah, there's something here that I wouldn't, I would have shared as well, but it wasn't the same thing. Like you made a connection here that I had to the, uh, to the resurrection that I've actually never really thought about, but it makes sense because in Colossians 2, you're you're absolutely right. It's talking about this spiritual circumcision, how our flesh has been cut away in by when we place our faith in Christ. I'd never seen that before. Like that's really, really awesome 
how that even all the way here in Genesis chapter 17, like it is a foreshadowing, wow, there you go, a foreshadowing of of the gospel. Like that's really incredible. What I was going to say about the eighth day that I remember researching way back when was like, why so peculiar of a day? Why not the sixth day? Why not the fourth day? Why not the fifth day? And now like the spiritual implication of it that makes a lot of sense. But I remember uncovering something about the biological clock Mm. on the eighth day that a child is born. So think about like the way that we understand circumcision, whether it happens when you're a child, like it might've happened to some of us who are listening to the show or like my friend who's 12 or 13 years old at the time of him getting circumcised. (laughs) We are all very likely doing it within the context of a modern hospital. Like we have drugs, we have, you know, things that can numb. We have all these different ways to kind of course correct in the event that something goes wrong. But when you're out there in the wilderness and there's no doctor, there's no ER, there's no none of these things. Like this is crazy. Like to suggest that we do, a radical surgery on a child that was just born is insane to think of. I learned something about vitamin K. Do you know anything? Do you know anything about vitamin K at all? No, I've never vitamin heard of it. K. Vitamin K. <laughs> vitamin K is the thing that's required for blood to actually clot. And there's a reason why eight days biologically is very important because on the first day, your numbers, your levels of vitamin K are very, very, very low. And so the danger without modern medicine is that a child who's bleeding profusely might actually bleed out because they lack the capacity to actually clot blood. Every single day of life, the child goes from zero to eight. This number of vitamin K, specifically, I think the protein is called prothrombin. It continues to increase. Presumably on day four, you have more of it than day two. And on day seven, you have more of it than on day three, for example. But at day nine, the body starts to actually adjust and acclimate and the the, the levels of prothrombin actually drop. Wow. That is to say that on the eighth day, biologically speaking, it is the single day of your life, like as a child, that you are best uh, predisposed to survive something traumatic like circumcision. It's almost like God has designed the body with this specific idea in mind. And as a result, has built a safeguard for, for, for young men to be able to go, young boys to go through this procedure. Wow. That is incredible. And I, I just, I just think about how everything in creation, I think we talked about this in an earlier episode, has been mm-hmm. testifying of redemption of yeah. like yeah. of Jesus Christ the whole time like from mm-hmm. trees and having seeds that are buried and burst forth with life and fruit after its own kind like Jesus is buried broken burst forth out of the grave with new life and then anybody who believes same thing happens after its kind and it's just it's from the jump we see yep so like in our biology and nature it's just that's beautiful i love that man thank you so much I did not know about that. <laughs> I'm glad that we <laughs> both on the eighth day, man. We we focused on that. Yeah, I, that was awesome. That's just, it. Feels like such a throwaway detail, and and this is something that I'm consistently awed by in scriptures that there's not really any throwaway details. That if you feel like you came across a a passage, it's like yeah, that's just a weird one. Like I don't understand that one at all. Like it's just sit with it a little bit longer, like keep studying it and maybe not immediately, but you're going to stumble on something that's absolutely dope. I still remember that moment when Jonathan and I were sitting and talking about like the man who had the two wives kind of thing in Romans. Oh, it's just like, dude, like it feels like this is the weirdest analogy in the world that Paul could have pulled out of thin air. And then yet when you start to understand, it's like, oh no, this is is layers and layers and layers deep. Like this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I would encourage people bookmark those things in your brain. Even if it doesn't click, if it doesn't set, 
just bookmark it because later on, if you have it bookmarked, something might, you know, it'll fit into place. You know, just remember, like, Absolutely. I didn't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's look at the first half of this because we totally just zoned in on the whole, uh, maybe it's because of my, my circumcision story, but we totally zoned in on the mark of the covenant. Let's rewind a little bit because God actually gives a promise and something kind of really important happens all throughout the previous, I don't know, 30 episodes or so that we've covered. Our team has been making the mistake of referring to Abram as Abraham when he wasn't yet Abraham. Now is the official time where Abraham, Abram, say I was about to do it, where Abram's name has actually changed and he's no longer called Abram, but now he's called Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. This is cool. Um, obviously me and Justin, the theologians that we are, the astute <laughs> right. masters yeah. of the Hebrew language did a quick Google search and found out that Abram and uh, Abraham, the difference is exalted father is Abram. And mm-hmm. then that little subtle change adds this this element Adam. to his name. And you're like, what in the world? Abr- Abram is, is Jewish, isn't it? Or he's going to become Jewish or whatever the case is. Like, I, I thought that Jewish people don't eat ham. They're like, no, it has nothing to do with ham at all. We promise. <laughs> it has nothing to do with ham. It's some other root word that has to do with the word multitude. And so when mm-hmm. we look at the, uh, the promise, he says, I will make a co- covenant with you. It was in verse 4, 17 verse 4. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Mm-hmm. It's this emphasis on multitude, and he's talked about as many as the stars in the sky or the sands of the shore or whatever. It's this massive number, and it's of nations. Mm. It's of nations. It's multiple nations. Yeah, not just the one. Not just the one that comes, as we know, the Israelites become this nation, the Jews, this nation from him. It's the nations. And I, I just think, like, what we start to see here is the name change corresponds with the promise. He says, this is your name. I've promised to make you the father of a multitude of nations. So you will be called Mm -hmm. Abraham. And something that I think is so cool for anybody listening, the reason if you're not Jewish, the reason why you are a child of God, like that you can can, consider these texts to include you is because of this promise made to Abraham. Because the covenant was not, it's not first and foremost about the circumcision and that you are Mm -hmm. biologically tied to Abraham. It's a covenant of faith with the sign of circumcision. Mm. And so then if the covenant is of faith, because you believe in Jesus, who came through the line of Abraham, because you believe in Jesus, you are a child of faith and therefore a child of Abraham, a true child of Abraham, as Jesus would say in John 8. This is this is so cool because it actually helps us get to that point. What I think in practice, a lot of Christians do this anyways, where they look at the Bible as though it was written for them. And there's a certain sense in which, like, that's not helpful because you weren't the intended uh, you weren't the intended audience, for example. And it's really helpful for us to do the work of like, okay, who's Paul writing to, for example, mm-hmm. or what's happening contextually? Like this, that that whole exercise is very important. But yet, the, the the kind of default setting for most Christians is also true in that, like, no, these promises are actually for us because we're participants in this covenant that God has made with Abraham from the very beginning. And that's that's the beauty of this. It all comes back to faith. Like, the story, mm-hmm. the narrative of Scripture from the beginning to the end is consistent. And this is why we've plugged Bible Project before, because that's their whole MO, right, is to show the, right. the consistency of the narrative from start to finish of the Bible. 
And that's why if you ever talk to me, if I read Old Testament stuff, I'm going to bring up Jesus because he is like, like I talk about, I maybe said this on this before, but um, math books in grade school, the back of the book has got the answers to the odds. And mm-hmm. Jesus in the New Testament, like what we see that he did is the answers to the odds. So when we go back and we read the Old Testament, it's like, this is what it was talking about. And the reason we're included, like the reason why Paul was so confident that the, the gospel was for Jews and Gentiles alike is because when he would read this kind of stuff about how it's for the nations, he would be the father of the nations. And it's it's not of the circumcision. This is why the whole book of Galatians starts to make sense. If you read through it, it's this issue of circumcision and people are saying, well, new believers need to get circumcised in order to be you know, included in this, this Christianity thing. And he's like, no, because the circumcision was always about faith. Mm. Like it's, yeah. it's about faith and faith. What is faith? And maybe this is, this is my last thing to say about this for anybody that thinks that it's believing and then being rewarded for believing faith starts with what God says. Like when we read Romans 10, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. It's all faith. That whole thing is faith. It's his word. We hear it. We believe it. We confess it. But all the way through and through, it's is God able to do what he says he's able to do? Is he is his word literally the power? And what we see with Abram is he makes mistakes along the way. But, and he doesn't believe in every circumstance. Right. But, but when God tells him, I will make you the father of nations, at the end of the story, he believed according to Romans 4 and 5, 4, he believed God was able to do what he said he would do. And so we are children of faith when we believe that God is able to do everything that he says he will do. So if you've ever heard that, if you recognize that song, first off, can we be best friends? Because you already know what is what. And that's like so cool to know. There's a show, a, a podcast by my friends. Uh, or I should really shouldn't say friends. That's like name dropping. That's not entirely true. It's only half true. Uh, my friend, Matt Whitman from the 10 Minute Bible Hour. Some of you guys might have seen some of the collaborations that we've done on the YouTube side of things. And another acquaintance who's kind like a friend but like i don't really know him that well yet so uh Destin sandlin they run a show called no dumb questions and it's fan freaking tastic if you are the kind of person who ever is like on a long car ride or let's say you have a really long commute or let's say you're you're just you're preparing for a day of cleaning that's like you know hours and hours long this is the show that you want to have in your back pocket it's the kind of show that you know it's like an hour plus per episode so it's quite a bit of runtime i think right now the latest episode is episode 126 at the time of shooting this episode of the move so you got a whole back catalog you got hundreds Maybe not hundreds. You have over a hundred episodes, uh, or a hundred, over a hundred uh, hours worth of content to consume, and I will tell you, every single episode is absolutely fantastic. My favorite thing about it is that these are both men of faith who are quite strong in their faith, and yet the way that they talk about things and stories and all the different like 
these guys are engaging in what I think is some of the most meaningful digital missions that is out there. It's not quite like Bible study stuff, yet they're talking about what's happening in the world around them in a way that grabs the attention and the heart of those who are maybe outsiders to the shared faith that we might have. Let me share with you one story about my man, Matt Whitman, that blew my mind. Sometimes he and I get to talk on the phone and I get to hear what's going on in his life. And he asks all the questions. One time he asked, hey, Justin, sorry, uh, I'm about to go through uh, the drive through right now. And it's not quite like that, that long of an exchange. So it doesn't quite make sense to, to hang up and call you back. Can you just kind of just put you down? Real quick. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. And so he's going through the drive through and I can still hear the conversation that's happening between him and the person who's taking his order. What happened uh, in that conversation, I can't quite remember. The words that were used, I'm not entirely sure, but I remember the feeling left with me after that kind of transactional moment took place. And I was absolutely floored because Matt had done this thing where he connected with a human more deeply. In, in like a 30 second exchange that I feel like sometimes friends that I've known for years, like I haven't connected with that deeply yet. And it was happening through a drive through He picks up the phone. He says, hey, sorry about that real quick. Funny story. That person at that drive through I met, you know, through this drive through a long time ago. And we became close friends through the drive through window, such to the extent that when this individual decided to get married, they asked me who they would consider their pastor, who we met through the drive through of a fast food restaurant to conduct the wedding service the 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 whole show and I, i share that story to share this that the whole show is i think a master class at what it could look like for people of faith to interact with others on the internet and other spaces of their lives and i feel like i learn something every single time from the episode you can tell I'm gushing a lot, that there's quite a bit that I have to say about these guys that I learn a lot. And and yeah, you're absolutely right. This is not a paid advertisement. This is just me just enthusiastically giving a support and a thumbs up. If you have some spare time to go check out this podcast, because I will say in, in no small way, it has changed my life. Listening to these podcasts, listening to these stories, but more so learning from these men that I respect, who I get to learn in just the general school of life alongside as they share their thoughts on the podcast. That is, again, the No Dumb Question podcast. If you're curious, you can find it on podcasts or anywhere else you get your shows. And if you enjoy it, do send me a message. Let me know that you love the show as much as I do.